This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show. No Mitchell Robinson, no OG Ananobi, no Julius Randle, no problem. There is not a single challenge which is too big for this team right now. Doesn't matter how they are presently constituted. Our guys are playing hard. They're, they're defending, they're rebounding, they're sharing the ball. They've won eight in a row. And there's no reason why you shouldn't look at this team and start to alter your expectations about what they could potentially do when it's all said and done. This is the Dan Grosser Show. They're bringing the best out of each other, but we still got a long way to go. On 98.7 ESPN. So, if you're just joining us and you missed the show last week, because, you know, our, our schedule is a little wonky these days because of the Knicks, the Rangers, and we get, you know, cut in half sometimes. When we have the full shows, like we do tonight, 8 o'clock, we have a segment which is now going to be reserved for a little thing we like to call Grasa Us. This is Grasa Us. It's our way of... This is Grasa Us. Grasa Us. It's our way of saying thank you to the sports figures out there making headlines. That's what we call it. Simple as that. No rules. No restrictions. We just have fun with it. So let's have at it. A lot of stuff happening and a lot of people making some news on this Wednesday. You know, we're going to start tonight, guys. We're going to start what we started at the beginning of the show here, talking a little Knicks. Knicks are on fire. Knicks are a hot team right now. Knicks don't lose. And the guy who is fueling the charge is, of course, Jalen Brunson. Playing outstanding. Getting some MVP love by the masses. But it's not just Jalen Brunson. His buddy Dante DiVincenzo hitting nine threes last night. Josh Hart with a triple-double. All the Villanova guys. Do hell, even Ryan Archie Diacono got in the game last night at the very end. Almost scored. Here was Jalen talking about all the Nova guys doing their thing. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Um, every now and then I think about you know, all of us like back at school, you know, just you know, competing in practice, not getting after it, you know, uh, having little mini fights you know, back then. And then um, to see where we are now, it's really special. So, um, yeah, it's really cool to see. You don't really see it too often, if ever. You know, hearing the starting lineup saying from Villanova, from Villanova, and from Villanova, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. And where has he seen the most growth on this team? Just in our depth, like I said, now we have a couple guys out, and so um, when people are called upon, you know they're ready to go. You know that just goes to their work ethic. You know every single day coming in, doing the work, you know making sure that they're ready to go, whether they're playing three minutes or thirty. You know everyone has that mindset, just be ready. Yeah, we have a a good collection of guys who think that way. So um, yeah, everyone's just ready to go when their number's called. I mean, you know, we touched on it a little bit earlier in the show. You you have to go back years. To think about a team like this, which is not only as easy to follow along with and one that the city just automatically gravitates to as this Knicks team is, and they've already made changes, right? They already made a big shakeup trade and they've come out better on the other side because they barely lose. How about a 14 and two month of January? Grasa us. Now, Josh Hart, another guy who's making contributions. Villanova, triple-double last night. But, you know, Josh isn't exactly somebody who is known for his scoring. Not exactly somebody who is known for shooting the ball with prowess. And he made light of that last night after the game. 
Been good, man. Been, it's been good. Obviously, just trying to be a little more aggressive, a little bit more of a um, decision maker, a playmaker, you know. Uh, at some point, I gotta, you know, make a shot, you know. Hopefully, I do that before Christ comes back, you know, go from there. Big shout out to Christ coming back there. Josh is a religious guy, though. We went to Villanova. That's a Catholic institution. They have to take religion classes and all those things. But he can have a little fun with it. Right now, you making a trade? Are you going big game hunting between now and the end of the season? Or do you subscribe to the theory of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let's see how far this group could take it. You need a bench piece. That's it. I agree with you there. I agree with you there. But I'm ter- in, in terms of, like, big game hunting, no. I don't think that this is the way to go. Keep it as is. Harv? Big game hunting in the offseason... Um, not fix, but improve your bench scoring now. I agree. See, we're on the same page here. You're going to get Randall back. Robinson will come back. There will be a depth right there. I agree. So that's the Knicks story. Grasa us. Then the other basketball team in town. We talked about it as well. Kevin Durant. Back with the Phoenix Suns tonight. His old stomping grounds in Brooklyn. KD was asked what he expects the reception to be like. It just depends on how the people wake up, you know. It's no <laughs> that, that morning. I mean, a lot of people don't know what to say or how to feel about me, so it's up in the air on what, what may happen, you know. So I'm excited that people will come watch the games and support the games. I know it's going to be some Suns fans. There's fans of every team in the world in New York City. So it's going to be a few Suns fans that are coming in and support us. So. But I, I never know how people are going to react. I don't expect anything um, from anyone. Um, I just want them to do whatever they do. That's going to allow them to have some fun that night. Are there a lot of Suns fans in New York City? Like, have you ever met a Suns fan in New York City? I know there's a lot of people in this town, but I don't think I've ever come across a Suns fan. I've seen Sun jerseys, like an Oakley jersey or a Steve Nash jersey, but I don't know if they're particularly Suns fans. Yeah, that could just be styling, you know? Now, look, I understand to each his own and... A lot of people here, a lot of fans, but I, I mean, like, how many how many diehard Suns fans you think you have in New York City, or even in the five boroughs, the area? Probably more net fans. Probably more than net fans, I would say, because <laughs> there's like 18 of us now. You think you got you think you got uh, Suns fans going all the way back to the Cotton Fitzsimmons days here in New York City? Tom Chambers. Dan Marley, you think they're going back to those days? Maybe Dan Marley, but <laughs> maybe knows? right that right that, that go past that. Look, I understand like the NBA is such a star-driven league, and people are fickle. You know, it's nice if you come across somebody who's a diehard fan, but not everybody is. So people are quick to jump ship. I get all that stuff, but diehard Suns fans, I, I don't know. I haven't met one. So how excited is KD to return to Brooklyn? Man, I'm excited. It's always fun playing in Brooklyn. It's always fun playing in New York. Can't wait to see some of the people that I work with that I got to know over the last four years. New York City has become my favorite city in the world. And just for me living there for four years, and I miss it a lot. I built a lot of bonds and relationships with the, the people that actually work in the organization and still talk to this day. So, yeah, I can't wait to, to play in front of that crowd again and see all my friends and family out there. Who are you? Why do I got to talk to you? Well, the thing I keep coming back to is, again, like, you were the one that wanted out of here, right? 
Like he, he was the guy that requested a trade, not once, but twice. So, yeah, I get all the warm and fuzzy nostalgia, like, oh, it's going to be great to see. Well, then why did you leave? Right? It's like you're dating a girl, and then you're the one that breaks up with her. Because you think the grass is greener someplace else. And then somebody asks about it, like, oh, what's it going to be like to see her? Oh, it's great to see her again. Blah, blah, blah. Well, why'd you leave if it's so great? I will say uh, his long-term plans in Phoenix, based off the way he's talking about New York, I don't think they're likely. Yeah. Rent don't buy is essentially what we're going with tonight. Grasa us. How about a little baseball? You know, we haven't done any baseball tonight. Let's jump on that train. Remember Travis Darno? I mean, it's not like he's 80 years old. I mean, of course, you should remember Travis Darno. He was a Met catcher. Centerpiece of that R.A. Dickey trade with the Toronto Blue Jays. Right? Came back. He was a top catching prospect. Took him a while to get going a little bit. But, you know, he had his moments with the Mets. He was healthy enough, long enough in 2015 to be with the team when they made their run all the way to the World Series. And then still battled injuries. And then just in 2018, very un- or 2019, excuse me, very unceremoniously just got dumped by Brody Van Wagenen when he was running the show. They, they literally just DFA'd him. Like, not trade him, like nothing, like goodbye. That's what they thought of Travis Darno, And good for Travis. You know, he hooked up with a couple of other places. And along the way, even got himself a World Series ring. You know, hooked up with the Dodgers, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Atlanta Braves. And he's still in Atlanta. Now, he's no longer the starting catcher because the Braves went out there and got Sean Murphy. But you know what? Travis has done okay for himself. So he was at this Braves kind of like fan fest type of function and the players are up on the stage and they're fielding questions from the crowd and somebody asked him what team makes him the angriest to play against in baseball and here was his answer which team makes you the most angry whenever you play against them (laughs) new york mets there it is can you blame him you know i mean can you really blame travis darno Like I said, they kicked him to the curb for nothing. And it's not like that was even a winning Mets team that year. It's not like, hey, man, we got designs on going to the World Series. There ain't no room for you anymore. No, they just, goodbye. They got tired of waiting for him. Good for Travis. He was never a bad guy. And he should rub it in their face a little bit. Plus, rival, Braves, Mets, same division. And Travis, I guess, has a little flair for showmanship, too, because he's playing to the crowd. You know that that would have been a better answer as if he said, the Brewers, even if he didn't believe it. Braves hate the Mets. Mets hate the Braves. It's the way this thing is supposed to go. So I have no problem with it. I really don't. Boy, I tell you, that National League East is going to be extremely top-heavy again this year when you're looking at the Braves, when you're looking at the Phillies. And by the way, this offseason... Think of how many big names you still have out there on the free agent market that haven't signed yet. But the problem is nobody wants to spend money. Nobody wants to pay these guys what they feel they're worth or what they think the return is going to be if they hand over these massive $100-plus million contracts. And we've seen this trend 
kind of been going this way with Major League Baseball as far as what they give out contract-wise for several years. It doesn't make it fun. Let's put it this way. It's not exactly drawing attention to baseball during the offseason and trying to generate a lot of interest. Did you guys, by the way, see that picture that was leaked and was making its way around the internet of the Philadelphia Phillies City Connect jerseys? Did you see those? Not a fan. I, I mean, what? See, I have no artistic ability whatsoever as far as like drawing, painting, color, you know, like uh, that's just one thing that I cannot do. A stick figure is a challenge for me. But I have to think that the people at Nike, in collaboration with Major League Baseball, when they thought up these City Connect uniforms, they probably, the, the modus operandi was try to come up with a design which could not be further from what the team is supposed to be about or what we know the team as. And I think that's how they came up with the Philadelphia Phillies ones. These kind of look like the Philadelphia Union that's uniforms. Right. It's like, uh, what kind of blue would you say that is? What kind of blue would I say this is? Yeah, like is? what shade of blue is it? It's like a lightish blue. It's like almost like a neon blue, honestly. All right, neon blue, and then it, it's kind of like that neon-y, neon yellowy kind of trim, right? Yeah. Like what makes you think of the Philadelphia Phillies when you see that? This could pass off as the MLS club. Jersey. I agree. You know, now that you said that, I agree with you. Go That's look, what it looks more like. Go look at the Philadelphia Union jerseys. It's almost like this. I know the Union jerseys. I'm a big Philadelphia Union guy. I'm very familiar with it. Well, how dare you? Come on. They stink. I don't love their stadium. We've spoken about that, actually. The, I, I said that to you. Remember? I said, what's up with the stadium? It's like running underneath like a bridge or something. By that big body of water. Yeah, it's like it's gross. You don't need that stuff. You know who's a partner there, right? Who that? Kevin Durant. Is he Philadelphia? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Grasa us. All right, next. Let's do some football. So... Everybody's still trying to get over the Cowboys. And they're crash and burn in the first round of the playoffs this year against Green Bay. This was supposed to be the year, right? This was supposed to be it. And we all thought for sure, at least I did, Mike McCarthy's gone. There's no way Jerry's running it back with him. Well, guess what? Jerry decided to run it back. But Jerry's down at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama with basically everybody else in the football world. And he let the world know... Then when it comes to 2024 and the Dallas Cowboys, they're all in. I would anticipate we'll be all in at the end of this year. So when you say, is there any thought, but I think we'll strain or we'll push the hell out of it. Is, it, is that doing something different than you had in the past? Yeah, the and it will be going all in on different people than you've done in the past. And uh, yes, I would say that you will see us this coming year not building for the future is the best way I don't say it. I mean, that ought to answer a lot of questions. Okay. What could go wrong there? So if Jerry is saying we're all in for 2024, I'm sure nothing remotely wrong could go wrong. Wow. Carpe Omnia. Sees everything. <laughs> speaking, hey, speaking of Mike McCarthy, what does Jerry think about his head coach? I thought we made a pretty good move four years ago when we hired Mike McCarthy. And he's had some great uh, in-season success. Now, he's come up short three times and advanced us in the playoff. But I like the fact that he's hanging around the rim. And I like what the team has done to, uh, to hang around the rim. Uh, we're not getting the ball in, but we're hanging around the rim. 
I mean, look, anytime you can combine a basketball analogy with football, especially when you're the guy that owns the team, calls all the shots, and basically has told the world that we need to win next year or else, okay, I'll believe it. Sure, Cowboy fans. Foul for hanging on the rim. <laughs> sure, Cowboy fans feel great about their chances for the upcoming season, right? Cross us. Speaking of next season, Tom Brady. You might have heard he's going into the Fox booth next year. He's going to team with my buddy Kevin Burkhart. Be part of number one Fox broadcast booth. He was on Pat McAfee's show yesterday, and he talked about making the move upstairs. I've been out to Fox Studios a few times and done some really dry runs with Kevin, who is tremendous at what he does. I'm super excited to join an amazing team, Rich Russo and Richie Zions. We've talked a lot about football. We've talked a lot about how I see the game. And I think Greg's done an incredible job. I have so much respect for him, how he approaches his job. He's super prepared in what he does. I think he does an incredible job every time he's on. I love listening to him. And I'm just going to go in there and do the best I can do with my own perspective. And I certainly have had a unique vision and perspective of the game of 23 years and hopefully I just can provide some insight you know I've been a part of a lot of Super Bowls championship games I've had some seasons that didn't go the way we wanted I have some injuries I was undrafted rookie I've seen guys come in with great expectations and not meet it I've seen underdogs like Julian Edelman come along and make it so I've had 23 years of just observing and I get to go on now and speak to a wider audience and I used to probably use my body and my brain out there and people would see me kind of lead the team down the field and now I get to do that in a different way using my voice now couple things there. Number one, is he going to do that stuff when he's in the booth? Because did you hear when he kind of slipped in there when he was running down the laundry list of all the things that he's experienced in football when he said, I was an undrafted rookie? Tom, he got drafted. You know, I know it was a long time ago. It was 23 years ago, but you were a sixth-round pick. So maybe he's trying to, like, just add another layer or two. He's like, he, Tom may figure, you know what, 23 years is a long time. There might be kids watching football now who are into the game that weren't even alive when I was drafted. So maybe I'll try to spin this new type of story that I wasn't drafted, which makes my story even all that much more remarkable. But that's not the case. He was drafted. Secondly, am I in the minority on this one? And please be honest if, if I am. I actually don't think he's going to be that bad in the booth. Will he be better than Greg Olson? Will he be better than Romo? I'll answer it this way. He can't be noticeably worse than Greg Olson. Meaning, like, that's the red flag. Like, that's when you know you have a problem. If he, if he goes on there and you know... At the first words that come out of his mouth, you're like, oh, this is a disaster. As long as he's not that, I don't think it's that big of a deal. And I don't think he's going to be. I think he's going to do a good job. And he's, it's, look, it's going to take him some time, like anything else. He'll grow into it a little bit more. You know, Greg Olson had some rough patches early on, but then he grew into it, and he's, like, really, really good. But it, it goes back to the whole thing with, with announcers. Dude, you have one option to watch the game. And it just so happens that this guy's in the booth calling it. So you got one of two choices. You can watch the game as is, or you could turn the sound down, not listen to anything, but you're still going to watch the game. So I don't get caught up in the whole, like, announcer type thing. You put on a game because you want to watch the game. Very rare you're going to find an announcer that's so bad that he just, like, ruins the entire experience. I don't want revisionist history from Brady on his career. We know who you are. You're Tom Brady. You're the greatest of all time. I don't want revisionist history about being undrafted and six Super Bowls and 
not wanting uh, Jimmy Garoppolo to work out and steal your job in New England. Just call the game. But also, and, and I'm sure that they've told them this already, you can't. And look, look, Hall of Troy Aikman does a great job doing the games. He's a Hall of Famer. You know, he could speak to some of this same stuff just like Tom Brady will, right? Like Hall of Fame quarterbacks, guys that, you know, live this life. But he's on a different pedestal. You can't necessarily explain the game and describe experiences that are unique to you because you did things that no real other player did. When you're trying to articulate this stuff to the audience. You mean he can't bring up 28 to 3? Oh, he could bring up 28 to 3. But that's not the norm. That's the thing. Now, look, there's no guarantee. Just look, there have been a lot of examples. Just because you're a great player doesn't mean that you're going to be great in broadcasting. I mean, there's plenty of examples. Joe Montana was not great. You know, they had him in the booth for a little bit. Then they put him in the studio. It was not great. A lot of other guys. You know, you go to... Go to Canton, Ohio. A lot of guys with gold jackets, they tried their hand at broadcasting. Didn't work out very well. Is he the highest profile announcer that we would have? Who, Brady? Other, yeah, other than Madden. Based on accomplishments, probably. And how about paycheck? I mean, $375 million? Isn't that what they're paying him or whatever? That's the better job than Ben Simmons. His oh, job right there. Absolutely. 100%. Although Tom has to actually show up and, you know, like do the game like the the Ben Simmons equivalent would be Tom Brady going to the stadium sitting in the booth in the corner and drinking like you know or eating avocado ice cream but not actually like saying anything into the microphone that would be like the Ben Simmons cross uh, us all right we got one more here lastly remember that whole dust up that happened pregame show the AFC championship game with the Ravens and the Chiefs. You might have caught it like Justin Tucker was the Ravens kicker. He was standing there in the end zone. He was going about his warm-ups the way he usually does. He had like the ball on like the the, the little tee. And he's doing his thing. And then here come the Chiefs. And here comes Patrick Mahomes. And here comes Travis Kelsey. And they like take his stuff and just like toss it aside. Like the bully in high school. Like, hey, what do you need to warm up here? And there was a whole back and forth and, you know. Maybe it was a little bit of gamesmanship, but this was Justin Tucker's explanation as to how everything kind of unfolded. You know, for those that don't know, the way it works is each team's kicker uh, goes to the other team's uh, designated warm-up area on the field. And for me, it's usually about 90 minutes before kickoff. So um, I've been doing the exact same thing for 12 years. Never really had a problem with anybody. Yeah, that's just that's just kind of the way, the way we've always done it, and the way uh, kickers around the league have always done it. You know, and I, I saw Patrick there trying to warm up and get some drop back. So uh, he asked me while I was on the ground stretching, like if I could move my helmet. So I happily got up and I moved my helmet out of the way. At least I thought it was enough out of the way. And then Travis comes over and he just kicks my stuff and he throws my helmet. And I just thought it was all just some gamesmanship, um, you know, all in good fun. But they seem to be taking it a little bit more seriously. Well, obviously, if you're a kicker warming up, you need room. And that's why, like he said, you go to the opposite end zone because you're practicing your kickoffs. You know, you're booting the ball 60, 70 yards down the field. You need some real estate to work with. That's why they back up to the way that they do. Could the Chiefs have handled it differently? Probably. But you know what? At that point in time, I'm sure those guys could care less. Here was Travis Kelsey's explanation on the whole thing. He was on the Pat McAfee show earlier today. 
Speaking of the Tucker stuff, everybody's having a blast with that stuff. Obviously, uh, it was fun knowing that we won the game and then Tucker had to just kind of chew everything that he was doing and, and swallow that. I loved every bit of that. Pat, I moved his stuff about as politely as I could. I could have thrown his helmet about 50 yards into the stands if I really wanted to, you know, make a point. But I knew it was just friendly banter at that point. And he was just trying to be a d- about it. But yeah, I think that mentality of going in there, not messing around and making sure we we take the fight to them because of how physical of a team they are and how and how hard they play throughout the game. Look, if the Chiefs would have lost, they would have came off as bigger you-know-whats. But the fact that they won, it's kind of like all water under the bridge. And then you're the Ravens and you're the kicker sitting there trying to explain away that they picked they picked on my stuff before the game in a game that you lost and you laid an egg at home in the conference championship game. All right, so that's Grasa Us. Number two. What do you think, Harv? Was it like the sequel? The sequel better than the original? What do you think? I think this is better. Oh, tremendous. We covered a lot of ground. Baseball, football, basketball. The hockey stuff is going to be on the bonus edition. you got to subscribe for that one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. Taking it until the top of the hour, then it's Gordon and Larry. As far as the rest of the week is concerned, we got our little Fugazi short show tomorrow up until the Knicks, and then we're back Friday with a full uninterrupted vehicle on Friday night. So we look forward to that. That's when you get your next rendition of Grasa Us, which we always look forward to doing. I don't know. Could we call Friday a football Friday? No. So even though it's still football season, we can't say it's a football Friday. No. Well, isn't the Pro Bowl next week? That You're damn right it is. It's this weekend. Uh, I mean, it's a flag football game. Listen, it's, but it's a football. We'll still say it's a football Friday. We got the Senior Bowl on Saturday as well. We're going to call it a football Friday. We may not talk about either, but you know what? It's still Football Friday. That's how we roll. Good one happening right now in Big Ten country. Northwestern in number two, Purdue, knotted up at 81. Six seconds and change left. Northwestern's got the basketball. We'll see if they can pull off the upset here. Northwestern's a tournament team. Purdue, obviously, they're going to be a one. We were just talking about it a little while ago. Purdue's going to be a one seed again in the tournament. Zach Eady is going to win. National Player of the Year again. He's better this year than he was last year. Um, he's the biggest force in college basketball, but it doesn't matter with Purdue. You know, Purdue is like the Cowboys. It doesn't matter what you do in the regular season. 
Purdue has to finally silence all the doubters and make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, you know, get to an Elite Eight. That's probably going to be the minimum for this team. Hell, some might even expect them to get to a Final Four, and we are going to overtime. Had a good look, but we're going to OT. I hate it because Rutgers is supposed to be on now against Penn State, and that's going to eat into the Rutgers time, so now i got to wait even longer before that game comes on. Anyway, um, let's say hi to Jose in Brooklyn because he's up next. Hi, Jose. How are you? Hey, good evening, Dan. Shout out to the company. Hello to Joe Leo and the, and Harvey. Um, definitely had, you know, quick Nick point and a quick jet point. Um, first with the jets, you know, it's, it, it's the, you know, just reading the article as usual. It was just, you know, hilarious because it's, you know, what you commonly would expect would just, you know, just, you know, it's not surprising. And, you know, do, do I expect anything? Do I expect Aaron Rodgers to, you know, wave the magic wand? I hope so, because, the scenario that you pointed out of him possibly retiring would be literally the last, you know, death nail of misery as a Jet fan of, of a terribly gone wrong, wrong experiment. But let's hope that doesn't happen. As far as for the positive news with the Knicks, they've been fantastic and they have been really turning it on as of late and especially without Randall and um, OG Ananobi the last couple of games. But we're kind of hoping that, you know, we can still stay stay at pace as, you know, the Eastern Conference is unfolding. It looks like they can actually, you know, possibly be a contender, you know, dare we say. But um, just wanted to hear your thoughts on because I because I was hearing them earlier. And as far as, you know, you, you were mentioning the Big Ten, I'm, I'm kind of pretty um, ecstatic about that, you know, the whole – the the whole um three point competition between Steph Curry and um Sabrina Ian Eshkul. So I wanted to hear also your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I, I don't I haven't gotten caught up into that yet, Jose, and I thank you for the phone call. What is the deal with that? I saw some rumblings about that. So what's happening with that? Steph Curry challenged her or she challenged Steph Curry to a three point contest or something? Yeah, this was supposed to happen, I guess, last year, but then the idea came up last year. Now they're making it happen this year at the NBA All Star Weekend. Yep. So what? So let them do it. It's it's for fun. Will I watch it? Probably not. But whatever. Nobody was harmed in the making of it. You know, that's actually the only thing probably still worth checking out. All Star Weekend is the three point shooting contest. The dunk thing has kind of gotten played a little bit. Um, do they still do any other one of those like obstacle course things with a basketball or skills challenge? The skills or, competition. Yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah throw the ball through like a flaming hoop or something like that or you know dancing bears i don't know do you think that uh, the skyrocket the ratings no i don't think so by the way tomorrow it's good that you mentioned that though because tomorrow they're going to announce the reserves right so you're going to see jalen brunson you're going to see julius randall at least you should get some love by the rest of the nba for what they've done so far this year and really making up for last year at least far as brunson's oversight is concerned um real quick before i go back to the phones just want to get into some coaching things here with the nfl a little bit of a surprise today where the seattle seahawks named their new head coach and it's mike mcdonald the former defensive coordinator of the baltimore ravens who's certainly done an outstanding job with that unit and to put himself in position to get a head coaching job a surprise in the sense that remember everybody thought that dan quinn was kind of the leader in the clubhouse for that job and instead it goes to mikey mcdonald which maybe tells you why the seahawks were a little bit slow in moving to hire somebody because remember dan quinn he and the cowboys have been done now for a couple of weeks so if he was indeed the guy they could have went ahead and hired him instead they waited until the Ravens were done 
and they go ahead and get their guy, 36 years old. He's about half the, not I think he is, he's half the age of Pete Carroll, the former coach. So the Seahawks going younger, right? They went younger just like the New England Patriots went younger. And in regards to Belichick and Pete Carroll and, you know, why they maybe weren't getting a little bit more interest on the open market with all the vacancies and head coach, teams just maybe want to go a little bit younger when it comes to head coaches. You know, they don't want this thing to be a fleeting proposition. And that's, look, when you hire somebody like Belichick, for example, 72 years of age, realistically, how long do you think he's going to be there for? And somebody like Bill, who's going to make you overhaul your uh, front office and maybe get rid of some guys or at least minimize the authority that some guys have had for a long time, is it really worth moving heaven and earth for somebody that's only going to be there for a few seasons. And maybe if some of these places needed longer kind of rebuild jobs where you don't have a quarterback in tow, i.e. the Atlanta Falcons, you know, you're going to have to either draft one. Good. Well, do you have the right guy who's going to be there for the long haul to help develop the quarterback? Or is he going to be gone in a couple of years? And then you're back to square one. But Mike McDonald, good for him. Um, Look. Ravens didn't lose that game on Sunday because of their defense. That defense played about as well as they possibly could. Kansas City got next to nothing in the second half of that game. It was it was the Ravens' offense that went MIA and could not do a damn thing and decided to outsmart themselves and become a throw-first team when they'd been a run-first team the entire season. They played right into Kansas City's hands. Kansas City stacked the box, and that's why they couldn't get anything going, daring Lamar Jackson to throw the football. That's number one. Number two, so yeah, now Washington is that last vacancy. Okay, they're the only team still without a head coach. Does Washington now pivot and think about maybe going in a different direction? Do they maybe look to kick the tires a little bit deeper on somebody like a Mike Vrabel or go and engage Bill Belichick in conversations since you're the last team? And by the way, out of the seven head coaching jobs that have been filled, we always make a big deal about Offensive versus defensive backgrounds. Four of the head coaches, defensive coaches. Three of them, offensive coaches. So to the rest of the NFL, they don't necessarily fall into that myth that, hey, you got to have an offensive coach because it's an offensive league. See how much money Jim Harbaugh got, by the way, with that Chargers contract? They wanted their guy, they got their guy. Five years, 80 million bucks. $16 million a year for Jim Harbaugh. Second highest paid coach in the NFL. Only Sean Payton makes more at $18 million per. Imagine guys like Mike Tomlin, who've never had a losing season, Super Bowl ring in this league, and he sees Jim Harbaugh come aboard and get $16 million a year. Now, look, nobody's starting a GoFundMe page for Mike Tomlin either, but I mean, things like that. You know, guys that have done this for a long time and won in this league and been successful and been champions, they look at that and they say, boy, geez, this guy better win. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. St. John's loses tonight at Xavier. Bad loss for them. Uh, Xavier's not having a good season. That would have been a big one for St. John's because they would have been able to sweep the Musketeers. Um, Anytime you can sweep a team in conference, it's certainly... It benefits you moving forward, but the Johnny's got to wake up here a little bit. They've lost four out of five, and now they got UConn coming into the garden on, I think, Saturday at noon, if I'm not right, Saturday. 
Right? The third. Yeah. Saturday. I couldn't remember. Once, once we changed from January to February, I can't even remember what the days are. That's going to be a tough one, as we know. And then they got DePaul after that. DePaul is a layup. I mean, that, that, that might be one of the worst programs in America right now, much less in the Big East. So, um, going to have to get that one for sure. I mean, I'm not expecting them to beat UConn, but you cannot, cannot lose to DePaul. Before we get back to the phones real quick on the NBA draft, did you see what they announced today that the league is going to do? They're making the NBA draft a two-night extravaganza as opposed to just the one night. Now, when was the last time you actually sat there and watched the second round of the NBA draft? Forget about that. When was the last time you actually stayed with the NBA draft like late into the first round? Right? I mean, most of those guys are, are, are generally speaking, guys that aren't going to make much of an immediate impact in the league. Second round used to be a lot of the international players that you draft that are mostly draft and stash type guys to where you draft them and then they stay overseas and, you know, wait until you have a roster spot available for them. So now the league thinks that that's going to be appealing to have a second night, which is going to be devoted to essentially that group of players. So it'll be June 26th and June 27th. It'll be a Wednesday and a Thursday. The second round of the draft will be at the Seaport downtown in New York City from like where the ESPN um, studios are. First round of the draft will still be five minutes per pick. Second round is going to expand from two minutes to four minutes. So now you get two extra minutes per pick for them to draft guys that you never even heard of. If that doesn't scream ratings blockbuster, I don't know what does, if you ask me. You know what that screams to me? Second day of the year, second round, second day, second night of the NBA draft. That screams to me ESPN Plus exclusive. That's what it screams to me. You want to you direct people to that? Make it streaming and let the diehards go watch it. That's that's a tough sell. It really and truly is. Let's say hi to Tino, Staten Island. Let's try him again. Tino, how are you? What's up, Dan? There how he is. You, What's brother? up, Sorry Tino? About before, I, I was at a bad area coming out of the gym. and You think you got Verizon, the best carry in America, and you, your call drops. Unbelievable. <laughs> how, <laughs> how are things, Dan? Things are good. Things are good. How about you? Things are uh, uh, heading in the right direction? Achilles is great. Everything is great. Dan, a couple of things. We haven't spoke since the, since the, before the, the IQ-RJ trade. Um, I was really down on the trade in the beginning. Now, obviously, the way they're playing, because, you know, IQ was always my favorite player, coming off the bench, giving us that spark. And we, we obviously we do miss that a lot right now. Uh, We've we got the trade deadline coming next week. Uh, we talked about it, you know, in the summer. A couple guys that we would that would help us. Guys in Atlanta, maybe the Boyan Bogdanovich, or maybe Bogdan Bogdanovich in Detroit. You know, we need a guy that can give you fifteen, twenty points to help out. What about um, Alec Burks? Names like a George- Alec Burks do yeah, it for you? Yeah, we've seen him already. He's okay. Like maybe a Jordan Clarkson. I mean, we watched, I watched him yesterday. He was terrible. No. But he's a bucket. The guy could score. He didn't look. He looked like crap yesterday. Uh, another another guy that could probably come for cheap. He was really good in Denver. I don't know. He's out of the rotation with the Clippers. What do you think of like a Bones Highland? He's a bucket. I mean, he's not playing at all. You could probably get him for a second round pick. Bruce Brown do you anything know? for you? I don't like his game either, Dan. He's just eh, he's just one of those eh kind of guys. And besides that, I want to talk 
one more thing, yeah. uh, and then you can you can jump on the guys. I want to talk about the the Randall situation. You know, it, it really bothers me. It, you know, you especially working for the media, you know, and us as diehard Knicks fans, it's like you know you get a test done, you get an MRI. I got an MRI done on my Achilles. I knew the next day my Achilles was torn. You know what I mean? There's there's no ifs ands or buts. Come out and tell us as fans. We've been I've been squirreling Twitter every day, you know, trying to find out what this really this injury is. The more I think about it, Dan, it's going to be a Mitchell Robinson 2.0. When we thought it was nothing, and then his ankle was gone, and that's what I think it's going to be with Randall too. I think he's I think I think he he probably ripped something in his in his shoulder that's going to need surgery. But they just keep getting that maybe that second opinion, third opinion. And just, but you know what it is? It just bothers me. Like we should know by now. I mean, I, come on! It's not fair to the media, and it's not fair to us as fans. Well, Tino, here's what it is, and good to hear from you, my friend. I, I said this last night. I think it was. Knicks know exactly what the deal is with Randall's injury. They know exactly everything that's going on in there with that shoulder, but they're not obligated at this point to tell anybody what exactly it is because the delay in at least making some sort of public proclamation is. He probably needs surgery. One of the doctors, and I'm sure that he went to multiple, sought out many opinions. I guarantee you that one of them recommended surgery. And now the team, and along with Julius, I'm sure, they're probably assessing their options, and they're deciding whether or not if he does go under the knife, when can he get back, if he can make it back before the end of the season, because... Generally speaking, if he's going to have to have some sort of procedure, that might knock him out for the rest of the year. Or he doesn't come back until, let's say, May at the earliest, which means they might have to go the first round or so of the playoffs without Julius Randle. And then there's no guarantees when he comes back if he's going to be healthy enough and strong enough to be able to go out there and play like you would expect somebody to play in the NBA playoffs, right, with your season on the line. So it might just be a situation now where they're weighing all their options and it might come down to, you know, is it a pain threshold thing more than anything? Right? Can he put the surgery off until the summertime and can he somehow just kind of strap that thing up and go out there and play and deal with it the rest of the season? Now, the advantage, the advantage that he has is that thankfully it wasn't his shooting arm, right? It was his right shoulder. So maybe they could find a way for this whole thing to work, but I don't know. That's what I think the holdup is more than anything. You know, one of these professionals recommended probably something surgical. And if you're going to go under the knife, that might cost you the better part of your season. We'll see. Nevertheless, though, to what Tino was talking about and, you know, going out there and adding another depth piece, they have to do that. They have to continue to add to this bench because just look at what is happening right now, right? I mean, look how many guys that they have banged up at this very moment. Now, it's great that it hasn't cost them all that much in the standings and they're still winning games, but you can't expect to operate like that for the remainder of the season because ultimately you're going to start to play better teams. And, you know, if you're going to play shorthanded and guys are asked to play bigger minutes, their production is going to wane a little bit. Got to be careful how they approach this thing. And look, maybe the saving grace is the All-Star break is coming up here in another couple of weeks, so you at least steal a week of rehabbing and getting on the mend. But you got to get this guy healthy. He's one of your All-Stars. That's going to do it for us tonight. This was a lot of fun. Tomorrow we got the short show. Friday, full vehicle once again. 
Thanks to Joe. Thanks to Harvey. Gordon and Larry coming up next, everybody. 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>